It's the 10 to 1 Podcast with your host, Brad Oman, featuring Ben Conowitz and Nate Lauk. And here's the podcast. That was a cocky, a very cocky way to do that, Brad. I'm just going to point that uh, out. Well, I mean, I'm here and I'm ready to do my job, so why don't you stop riding my ass? Like cocky seventy-year-old person at a country club just introduced the show. Although I, you know hey, what, listen, the one time I did it, I was freaking terrible. So uh, kudos to you. And you know what? Yeah, and and you know what? I'm four under par today, and I'm about to have a lobster dinner. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brad is recording uh, remotely this uh, wonderful new again because he's left us the ten to one podcast, and you you deserve it, Brad. You deserve to be happy and healthy. And in who Utah. says? Who says? I do. You know what? I well, d- well, I, I happy, love Brad. Happy anyway. <laughs> I mean, you deserve to be healthy. Okay. Are you? Eh. Are you? No, definitely not. No, no. <laughs> All right, boys, let's get right into it. This is a Saturday Night Live podcast where we review and recap new episodes of Saturday Night Live. And this is the, the latest 2023 episode featuring The Mandalorian and The Last of Us star Pedro Pascal and musical guest Coldplay. And uh, yeah, this is this was a pretty exciting one because Pedro Pascal is uh, the talk of the town right now. The Last of Us is a huge new show on HBO. Uh, he was already big before that because of The Mandalorian, which is coming back for a third season at the beginning of March. So there's a lot of excitement about this one. And uh, I'll just start off uh, before we even get into the cold by saying he did not disappoint. No, it was, was so good. Fantastic. So good. Actually, this season has been good. Anybody that keeps on saying, you know, uh, SNL has lost it or they're not, uh, has really missed some great episodes. This, though, from start to finish, was so good. It was. It was. It was. It was a very, very good episode. I had somebody uh, uh, in our slash film Slack. I won't. I won't name any names or anything like that. You, but shame on, him, shame Sunday, on Sunday, we we usually end up breaking out a couple of sketches that we write about individually because they're tied to movies and TV shows. Uh, and someone said something about like one of the new sketches being like one of the funniest things they've S- SNL has done in a long time. And so I got on my soapbox and I was like, well, you know, I was like, a lot of people say that it's like, but every season of SNL has great episodes and bad episodes. And the only reason you think that o- SNL is funnier in the past is because you only remember the good sketches. So jog on. <laughs> so jog on. Did you really use that one? Because I'm gonna use, I'm gonna steal that sometime. Just jog. No, on. no, I didn't. I didn't say jog on in this instance, but I do love saying jog on he because it's one of my favorite lines from uh, Edgar Wright movies. You know, I, I do want to talk a little bit about Pedro Pascal because um, we we do host another podcast, Go Flix Yourself, where we talk about film. And obviously, uh, Brad is an editor at uh, Slash Film. What do I do? Uh, you're here. Um, okay. You and I are just here, right? Yeah, we're no, we're literally the eye we're candy. Fa- we're fans. We're, we're the fans. eye candy oh, of this podcast. I'll take that, yeah. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about, because I'm, I'm really fascinated, because this is his first time being on SNL, but I feel like Pedro Pascal blew up in the last five years, maybe maybe in the last eight years since Narcos kind of thing. Where was he before this, Brad? He's like 47 uh, years I mean, old. He- yeah, he was uh, he was in one of the Kingsman movies um, a little bit before like his his huge career resurgence. But yeah, I think this is one of those instances where like an actor really just has his his blossoming moment, you know, in his uh, somewhat later years, which happens every now and then. You yep. know? All right. Well, I'm excited about talking about this episode because this was really I actually watched this episode three times. It's it's a three timer for me. So nice. and it's never a three timer. I'm usually just a, a twice before the the podcast. And so I loved it. I also uh, this week started watching with my son, who is 12 years old, Finley, because I was about 10 to 12 when I started watching SNL. And he's a big comedy fan. He's a theater kid. He likes improv. I asked him, 
what was the MVP of the night and uh, what was his favorite sketch of the night. And it was interesting because we actually kind of agreed, but I had a little bit of different uh, opinion. So uh, my 12-year-old's probably right. So let's get into this. There's some movement in this show, and I'll, I'll get your opinions on this. So as of now, our current head writers are Ken Sublett, Allison Gates, and Shooter Seidel. If you're a listener of this podcast, you know that those names get get talked about often because uh, they write a lot of the best sketches. But just in this episode, there was some movement, and now Gary Richardson, Will Steven, and Celeste Yim, which again, very common, Say very names noted all the time, yeah. uh, writers, were promoted to writing supervisors. And I looked back at previous seasons, and our current head writers were all promoted to writing supervisors before they became head writers, like a season or two before they became head writers. Do you guys think that this is maybe movement that's probably going to happen at next year for SNL or next season, next two years? So I think that, uh, I mean, Streeter Saddell has been on the show for a while. A long time. He came over from uh, College Humor, I yep. believe is what he did before then. And uh, clearly has, has a voice f- for this kind of comedy that we're seeing. And um, it's gotten weirder and weirder over the past couple of years. But obviously the, the addition of, of Sarah Sherman uh, has has uh, i'm not exacerbated is the wrong word because that's almost like it makes it worse this makes it better um but i don't i don't feel like the show is going to be hurt if if and when they leave because it does seem like this very strong voice is here and i think that's a kind of the vibe of the show rather than just the vibe of one or two writers i do remember reading the the uncensored uh history of saturday night live and there were always people that were writers that were like pushing the edgier stuff or pushing mm-hmm. the the weekend update was always opt, update was always the edgy stuff and now you're looking at it saying this is th- the weird sketch we talked about it could come anytime and then a lot of times it's not even the same writers that are writing the weird shit so I think this is a vibe now for the show, and not that the head writers are interchangeable whatsoever, there wouldn't be a dip in, or a decline or a learning curve, but I think the show is in a really good place, and it seems like they're replacing head writers more often these days, and it's, it hasn't been to the detriment of the show. I did look, too, as Streeter Seidel and Mikey Day are both writing right now. They're writing for a film. Uh, they're doing a live-action Inspector Gadget that's supposed to come out in a couple years. and Just bringing back Matthew Broderick, huh? <laughs> yeah. And so... You know, I could see those two as well because they do write together a decent amount uh, as well on SNL, uh, going and having a great film writing career sure. as well, and eventually you do move on. You, but. you also, you if you lose Mikey Day, you lose one of the most prolific writers the show's ever seen. The, mm-hmm. the man is a machine when it comes to sketch comedy. And we're going to talk a little bit tonight about some of the sketches he wrote in this episode that were fantastic. All right. Cold Open, Spy Balloon, written by Ken Sublett, Allison Gates, Mike DeCenzo, and Bowen Yang. Uh, Katie Turr, played by Chloe Feynman, reports on the U.S. military shooting down a suspected Chinese spy balloon, played by Bowen Yang, with the help of a Pentagon official, played by Keenan Thompson. You know, things we didn't know we needed a week ago, uh, you know, in America, that Bowen Yang needed to be the space balloon. He was so perfect in this. I have not loved a lot of cold openings in the last, really, since we've been doing this podcast. They're not my favorite. I told you last week, they're just typically, they used to be my favorite when I was younger. I used to get really excited about it. And it might be more about me than it is the show. But I absolutely loved it. It was the perfect cultural moment. They were able to weave in some political commentary. It wasn't the same 
Fox News host that they often use. It was Katie Tour, which is, again, I think an MSNBC, maybe CNN, I don't know, um, host. I loved this. I thought it was really, really fantastic. Brad, what did you think? Yeah, I thought this was really funny. Uh, and we're starting to see a bit of a trend with Bo and Yang being great at playing uh, inanimate objects, which has been a lot of fun. <laughs> and, uh, you, and the, you know, normally when it comes to this topical stuff, it's not that great, but I thought they had a really fun approach to this. Uh, and especially since it was such a quick turnaround because this story came really late in the week. So for them to make something so funny uh, to go live on Saturday night, you know, uh, that doesn't always happen. Usually they have some time to, to uh, plan the sketch and things like that. But they put this one together pretty quick. And I think it worked out really well. Ben, do you like it? Oh, my God, yeah. And like you said, Brad, like, Give me more Bone Yang as any inanimate object. I am here for it, like all day long. He's he is. We knew when he joined the show. Like I remember thinking he was so funny to start, and boy, has he grown in just an all timer. I mean, he really is going to be. If he stays for a while, he will be up there. I also want to give a shout out to Keenan Thompson on this one because he had some funny lines too, where. You know where they were spying on him, and he just looks up. That that easy physical humor. Yeah, yep. Uh, the other one was we were afraid if we shoot it down, it goes. <laughs> I, I just there was such great silliness in this yeah. as well. Kudos, one of my favorite cold opens of the season. Absolutely, really well. Do done. more of that stuff. All right, moving on to the monologue by Pedro Pascal. Mike Desenzo and Jake Norwin wrote this. First time host Pedro Pascal talks about filming The Last of Us and being recognized by fans. Have either of you guys seen The Last of Us? I feel like I've seen it only by following Twitter, and I probably know everything that's happening. I actually have not seen it. Uh, Bailey has watched, uh, my girlfriend Bailey has watched the first three episodes. She loves it. She says she wanted to wait for me to watch it. We ran out of time for that because she got impatient and started watching it. But she says I will really like it. So I probably will check it out at a certain point. Brad, have you seen it? I, I know probably you guys have talked significantly about it on Slash Film. Uh, have you ended up watching an episode yet? Yeah, we're doing a bunch of coverage for it on Slash Film. I have not watched it yet. Uh, I, I'm, I think I'm going to maybe hold out until the season is over, just because I'm not sure I can afford to uh, jump on a new series that I watch week to week here. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, though. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I've, I've heard great things. And so I'm, uh, I'm excited to check it out, you know, whenever that may be. Brad, what did you think of the monologue? Uh, I love the monologue. You know, this is another series uh, of monologues where we have the the host being pretty open to you know talking about various things in their in their career and not doing like a big setup for like a sketch but just talking about themselves so i love the story about you know talking to little kids uh, on the phone when they don't know necessarily uh that he's the mandalorian because he wears a mask most of the time it was really funny and then you also get uh you know another charming thing where he gets choked up talking about his family making it so that he had the opportunity to actually make it to you know studio 8h to host snl uh, and we've previously seen that with Austin Butler and Michael B. Jordan in, in recent memory. They both had their little, you know, uh, moments talking about their family and stuff like that. Uh, and it's been really charming to have the hosts, you know, uh, tell those kinds of stories and, and open up a little bit and show their, their vulnerability. Do you guys know much about uh, Pedro Pascal's background? I do not. Okay, so I, I didn't either. And I, I went into this and, and he's lived an incredible life. So born in Chile, his parents were um, kind of uh, cited against Pinochet. They became political rivals. They had to go into hiding. They left Chile when Pedro Pascal was nine months or a year or so, uh, went to Denmark for a year and then came to America where his father, who was a, a kind of almost world-renowned OB doctor who ended up doing some controversial things, quite frankly, um, and his mom was a PhD psych child psychologist, 
They raised them in San Antonio and then moved to California. If you watched the musical guest, Coldplay, you'll see that uh, Chris Martin dedicated this uh, one of the songs to Veronica, that is Pedro Pascal's mom, who actually committed suicide in 1999. And I read an interview with Pedro Pascal about this. Actually, his last name is not Pascal. That is his mother's last name. He changed his last name then to honor his mother. His father and mother were going through a very difficult time. They were kind of divorcing, but in Chile, divorce is illegal, um, all these kind of things. And he talks so eloquently about being in America, being an immigrant, being somebody that felt different, um, especially even in the theater world, which can be oftentimes an inclusive, in, in, but you know, he had an accent, these kind of things. His parents had an accent. His mother was the person that oftentimes cheered him on the most. And so he was 24 when she she ended up ending her life. But knowing some of these things about his background and the things that he's fought against, from political asylum and his family to um, his dad actually ended up getting arrested for some potential embryo swapping as a doctor. I mean, really crazy stuff. And here he is on the SNL stage. I don't know. It just made it so much more meaningful to me when he gets choked up. You know, he's also we talked about just a few minutes ago. He's an actor that got fame pretty late in life going, you know, for 10 to 12 years, just doing episodic shows being on. You know, he mentions it in his monologue. It was so meaningful to me, this one. You just see that in and like Brett had said with uh, Michael B. Jordan uh, previously and, and Austin Butler, these people are relishing the moment for real. And it's. It's hard to fake that level of them. I mean, none of they're actors, right? But that that's organic and that's real. It meant something to him. Absolutely. And so then when that comes through to the audience, or at least for this audience member, uh, you know, you're rooting for them then. Yep. I really want them to do well. And I always talk about how how the host behaves or acts or is comfort level in the monologue being important. And my goodness, I mean, talk about being comfortable. Yep. Talk about real things and getting right into it. I love it. You yep. know, I was excited then for what was coming next. And you could just tell he didn't want to miss the moment of exactly. whatever the show was going to bring him. He laughed a lot. I mean, he broke character a couple of times. We could talk about that. But he was in it. He yeah. was in it. 100%. All right, moving on. The Big Hollywood Quiz, written by Brian Tucker, Allison Gates, and Ken Sublet. Game show contestants, Pedro Pascal, Ego Nuotum, and Chloe Feynman answer a series of entertainment trivia questions. Uh, what did you think of this one, Brad? I thought it was fine. Um, one of the things I think I appreciated the most uh, was that Bowen Yang made for a pretty nice smarmy game show host? Yeah, he did. Th- this he did. kind of this kind of sketch didn't call for like the normal, uh, you know, refined and like kind of uh, over the top game show host, but it required like a little bit of attitude and snark. And Bowen Yang can deliver that perfectly. Um, you know, for me, it doesn't necessarily ring as true, even though I get the premise uh, because these are all things that I've heard of and I know about. But it's also funny thinking about the fact that there are so many things that are. Uh, you know, revered by people, whether it's, you know, in my circle, film, Twitter, what what have you, where people just don't know what these movies are or sometimes who these people are or, or anything like that. Yeah, it was, it, I don't know. It was fine. I didn't really love love this one. I don't know. I, I like the premise of there's too much stuff and I can't I don't know everything. Maybe a um, lack of escalation. I don't know. This isn't. A, there this there is, wasn't a ton of escalation. But this isn't something that really should, right? But but the the jokes in it, to me weren't strong enough to to uh, combat the fact that oh, I get what this is. So once in a sketch like this, 
once the reveal hits and you're like, oh, this is what they're going to do, then it becomes what are they going to do with it? And, and the answer here was nothing. They just kind of let the same thing go and go. And it was like, OK, this is fine. All right. Moving on. Pre-tape Mario Kart written by Mikey Day and Shreeder Seidel. In a video game turned series, a trailer follows a group of people played by Pedro Pascal, Mikey Day, Bowen Yang, Marcelo Hernandez, as they try to help a princess played by Chloe Feynman get to Rainbow Road. Now. We shared this in our text thread with us three, but I want to share it with you. Shooter Seidel did comment on this on his Twitter, and he says, This was written by Mikey Day, directed by Mike Diva, all around a really, really amazing job on everything. Costumes, props, makeup, sets, just awesome, and a huge accomplishment for our editors and VFX artists. This was all done in three and a half days. Incredible talent. And then he adds, I should also add that Elijah Brueggemann composed the music for the car chase sequence after our dress rehearsal ended. So he started on it at 11 p.m. and it was on TV within an hour. Holy shit. That's impressive. I knew that the the turnaround on this was obviously very short, which was very impressive, but that right there is incredible. Unbelievable, right? What did you think of this sketch, man? Holy crap. It's it was so immense and in, in, in immense and intense, right? And just 10 out of 10. I just, I have no notes about how to do this any better. How could you? It was, it's gritty. It's real. It's, oh my God. It's everything you want to see out of that. It's such a stupid premise. Much kind of like, kind of like the Oscar the Grouch thing. I was going to say, it had me that Sesame Street Oscar yep. the Grouch. And, yep. and it was right. And so I'm here for it though. Like keep doing it. You know, they haven't failed yet. Brad, what about you? Yeah, I absolutely love this sketch too. Uh, it was so well done. The visual effects doing it in such a short period of time, three and a half days, are extremely impressive. You know, they don't they don't measure up to like a blockbuster movie, obviously, but considering this is a sketch for a few minutes on TV done in such a short amount of time, it was incredible. And it just it struck the you know the right apocalyptic tone. Seeing Mario Kart presented in this in this form is funny in itself. Uh, you know, and I I also really like the part too of like them just proclaiming and I'm bisexual. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I also and I love the whenever they have real flourishes like from the game that are taken seriously, like having Toads uh, knowingly sacrifice himself. Yeah, you know, I can't. It's show. red. <laughs> <laughs> I love Spreads it. Spreads his arms out in acceptance of his impending death. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So this is the team uh, that wrote this, Mikey Day and Shooter Seidel, that we talked about earlier. Uh, Shooter is a, a head writer for the show. Um, they're the ones that are writing the Inspector Gadget uh, film that's coming out in a couple of years. You know, I don't know. I... I if these guys it makes can keep me want to see an Inspector it. Gadget movie, you know. <laughs> if these guys can keep on doing it, because they 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 do a great job of doing enough internal humor for those that actually play Mario Kart that you saw enough in there that made you laugh, but you didn't have to be a Mario Kart fan to to find the humor in this right. as well. Um, and kudos to everyone, especially Elijah Brueggemann, those people that are given this project at the last minute wow. they're like hey uh we didn't have the music in there for the uh rehearsal can you get something in there <laughs> you know in an hour i don't even know how you, i don't even know how you i can't out sometimes i can't quickly. even i can't even find my laptop charger <laughs> for an hour I'm, oh my god I, I would love to help but i can't find my charger or my macbook i don't know where i left it oh my god the next one was where is it up. okay brad it's in utah go find it Oh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can find it. I love you, buddy. Waking Up <laughs> by Ken Sublet and Allison Gates, a hospital patient, played by Pedro Pascal, wakes up confused after a long coma. 
He's also starred Heidi Gardner as the patient's wife, Keenan Thompson as his friend, and Sarah Sherman and Bowen Yang as the doctor. Oh my God. I saw some people that didn't love this. I, I thought it was silly. I, I thought this was the sketch where I knew that, that Pedro Pascal was going to have a lot of fun this episode because it was silly. And it took me probably about a minute to get into kind of what they're doing a little bit because I, I couldn't really determine his accent or kind of speech pattern a little bit and then when the other cast members start adding into it as well uh seeing heidi gardner kind of laugh a little bit seeing them kind of you this know, was feed off of each other this was, it was fun more, more was, of a progression than an escalation and it was still that was great because you're right it took a while to get like kind of your, your head wrapped around what this was but once you were on board it's i really liked it I, i'm interested to see brad what did what did you think no i love this sketch it was so funny i mean the way pedro pascal puts on his voice is is just perfect and he's hilarious and i i didn't mind that he broke towards the end too like he just started cracking up at himself and couldn't get out like that serious part of his line and it was such a hearty genuine laugh too you know you couldn't help but but enjoy it um i i, I will say to me it felt like sarah sherman was a little bit off in this sketch and i feel like she kind of had an off episode overall i agree um, yeah. well, i'll talk i'll talk more about that later uh, with a certain sketch. But yeah, I, I absolutely love the sketch. I thought it was really funny. All right, moving on. Uh, fan cam assembly, Celeste Yim, Jake Norwin, Mike DeCenzo, and Asha Ward. A teacher, played by Pedro Pascal, can't figure out why his students, played by Bowen Yang, I go to Wodum. Sarah Sherman and Devin Walker are obsessed with making fan cams of him and the rest of the school staff. So also had James Austin Johnson and a cameo by Pedro Pascal's close close friend sarah paulson are you aware because my son told me that these are very popular in the schools fan cams did you know that this is a thing that that students and and are actually doing this isn't like so they didn't make this concept up bailey made me pause it so she could show me what they're talking about with the stuff so we watched a couple and then we watched the sketch and it it informed me and and the comedy and so i liked it. i liked that a lot more i think i probably would have liked it even if i didn't know it was a thing because it's it's a really funny thing um, but yeah, I mean, knowing what, that it's a real thing, I, like everything on SNL these days, I'm so old now that I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. That's probably a real thing. I, I, <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't learn about it until watching this sketch and I looked it up to see if it was a, like a legit thing. And I'm, I knew it had to be, yeah. but I just had, had to educate myself a bit. I started watching the show with my 12 year old, uh, son and this was really funny for him because fan cams is a part of his sure. everyday life. And so it, it, it wasn't for me. I found a lot of humor in it still because the performances were funny. Uh, Ego Nwodum was great in this. She was great all episodes. She's just fantastic. And there was a lot going on there that yeah. I found funny enough. But there was an extra layer for him because, again, the, the whole also the kind of high school, middle school language they're using, right? Daddy, these kind of things. Mm -hmm. uh, my son uses those things and he laughs about it. Um <laughs> And I also liked that it was also very generationally relevant. Did to... you watch the actual Pedro Pascal one? No. There's a real one of him. Oh, I didn't know that. So Bailey showed me that one. And it's like, and he says something in a red carpet interview about being a daddy. Uh, like, <laughs> like, I'm your hot senior daddy or something like that. I don't know. And then he says, okay, sexy mama or whatever. And they cut it all together. So I saw the actual one that was based on it. It was really funny. I, I didn't necessarily love the Sarah Paulson thing. I love that Pedro Pascal is bringing in one of his closest friends. Sure, it just didn't. It didn't. It didn't add anything. I was going to say it didn't really me. do anything, right? It and was just and she didn't seem all that great in it either. <laughs> yeah, that like, was I okay. I didn't want to say anything, but I'm like, what, what was that all about? By the way, <laughs> I mean, who who am I to critique Sarah Paulson, who's a fantastic Brad, actress? If but... I ever host SNL, I'm just going to awkwardly bring you into something, and you can be like <laughs> a little nonplussed to be there, and then you can just leave. Okay. 
Yeah, that sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one. Uh, pre-tape, Wing Pit. Colin Joseph, Shooter Seidel wrote this one. A wing commercial for a Super Bowl party goes off the rails with Pedro Pascal, Keenan Thompson, Heidi Gardner, Molly Carney, and Michael Longfellow. Are you guys Wings fan, by the way? I'm not a Wing fan. Oh, I'm a huge. I'm okay. Huge Wings fan. <laughs> or look at me. I'm a huge Wings fan. <laughs> uh, so it's like that. I mean, that you're either gonna at my age, you either you either craft beer or you do you smoke meat or you eat wings. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm the a, craft beer guy. I'm a you wing guy. The wing I'm the wing guy. guy. Yeah. Okay, which means that Brad likes to smoke his meat. So. It's true. It's true. He's a big smoker. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> all of this is true. This was really funny. Can you guess what I didn't love? What do you think it was? Was it just the grotesqueness of the food? The, uh, the yes, it was the um, uh, shake. The yeah, because the, 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 all blended. I can think of is if that really existed, Brad would make us drink <laughs> that thing. That's yes. all I can think of is Brad wouldn't make us drink that. So what was the line? Um, ethnically questionable <laughs> hot sauce. Hot yeah. so- oh my god, I was crying with laughter when that hit. I was laughing very hard. I I just love this kind of commercial formula. They 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 do this with commercials. They do this um, with with like other kinds of things like it's like like the like the, the concert sketch that when they used to have jason sudeikis and bobby moynihan with as as dan sure yeah 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 this well, actually, it, just, it just constantly escalating and like turns into this big thing my favorite thing about this though is it goes in a direction that i wasn't expecting and like the the idea of like honoring chirax <laughs> yeah yeah you know what the you know what the sketch reminded me of brad this reminded me of uh taco town oh yeah <laughs> what was that one i don't so know that's yeah. an andy sandberg bill Hader when they're like it's a commercial, and it's like, what if we took this and wrapped it in this? Oh, yeah, yes, yes. And then the escalation is yes. insane. And by the end of it, we're going to put this in a huge shopping bag with all of the guac you can handle. I think the last commercial they did that was about like a, a restaurant like this was We've Got Meat, the Meat. Yeah, I Arby's, think that was the last yeah. Arby's one where they kept on escalating yep. and things like that. And yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. I think it, this was very funny, but also to Brad's point where they kind of went in a kind of a weirder direction, kind of like the, the Ask yep. Dan. Yeah. Uh, cra- nastiness, craziness of it. Uh, the chicken god. <laughs> it was insane. I loved it. Yeah. I really liked it a lot. All right. Moving on. Weekend update. Weekend update anchors, Colin Jost and Michael Che, tackle the week's biggest news, like George Santos lying about producing Broadway's Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark and a school official stealing $1 million worth of chicken wings. Favorite joke of the night. Longtime listeners know that we talk each episode about whether or not Brad thought there was enough chemistry. We call this the predometer. Ben and I get to decide whether or not we thought the predometer was high or low, where it probably resided. I'm going to say, I will go first You go first this. this time. I'm going to say 90. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. I'm going to say 90. See, I think I'm going I think way lower. A, oh, no, no, no. I think there was a lot of chemistry. All right. So a lot of for fun. my, for my predometer here, I'm going that there was almost nothing going on. And oh. then like, like this would almost oh. be like there was no rain. And then there was a downpour for one and a half minutes. Okay. Because there was one thing that happened that was the most back and forth you'll ever see between them. Yep. Actual interaction and with the audience, and everything, but nothing else really vibed. But, but there was that joke that Colin Joe said. I forget. It was it was the, it was, bo- the chicken balk. Uh, what was it? The chicken joke where he's like, "I'm gonna bring him balk," and then Che was telling the audience, "No, don't laugh at that." No, there was another one about like race that uh, Colin Joe's had. Uh, there was almost a joke that you think Michael Che put in there for him. Okay, um, and there was a couple things in there that I you know. Thought, what? I'm saying I'm I'm going I'm saying seventy. Well, that's high. That's that, no, no. You're you're at ninety. I'm saying seventy. I know because I I, I don't remember where Brad was the last couple of weeks. He was at eighty last week. He was like at eighty. I'm gonna say yeah. I'm gonna say it's just. And I'm gonna say lower. I'm gonna say All right, lower. I'm gonna say ninety. You're gonna say seventy. Yep. Brad, let us know. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a little lower because of what Son Ben of a, said. Is like there's, Son of a there's one big moment. In, 
there's one big moment where it's a lot of fun, but like throughout the rest of it, it wasn't consistent all the way through, you know? So like it, it happened. It's like, Oh, that was, that was great. But it wasn't, you know, uh, uh, as good as the other the previous episodes. Drink it in Nate. It tastes good going down. It's going down smooth. That uh, ben, ben knows how the pedometer operates. It's true. <laughs> I do know how the pedometer operates. Which there are no rules for the pedometer. <laughs> There's no gauge. It's just, you know, we've got to guess. Yes, a bit. you're exactly right. But uh, so what did you guys think of the weekend update this week? Brad clearly didn't like it as much as last week. But did you like it, Ben? So I thought, was it me or, or was the, the jokes portion a little shorter than normal? I feel like they told less jokes this time. Maybe I'm just. I'd have to look and see what the 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 length of it. And it I, could have been. I felt like the the guest, the second guest, was a little too long, uh, and maybe they cut down on a little bit of, of the uh, of the back and forth jokes. But um, the jokes were good. Uh, Michael Che seemed a little checked out this time around. I didn't. I, I didn't really... get that. But maybe if I rewatched it, I would. Yeah. Well, you for a fourth time? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, I just I thought that he wasn't as uh, as normally like catty or playful that they normally is um joe's made up for it though uh that that chicken bring the chicken bock joke and where he put his hands in his head like i you really love that joke. i let la- I, la- I, no. I, I knew i knew ben was gonna love no that. I, that's a very dad joke no but of. i love the re- no not the joke the joke sucks it's his reaction he puts his head in his hand and, and literally that's a, he doesn't do that all the time but when he does something like that it's really funny when you know it's a bad joke. yeah when he's le- literally go- leaning into it by putting his and hand you in his know head. during the week they're talking about this joke oh. and somebody's like we can't we do that do joke it. and they're like no just do I know. it just do it i'm, I'm <laughs> telling you right now i to be a fly on the wall in that writer's room we're like jose you're doing it yep you're doing it man and then they he probably said no don't do it and then they put it into the last yeah, night, exactly right? yeah. oh god i hope that's i just i'm so happy thinking that's how it went down <laughs> yep that's actually canon that's how it happened <laughs> all right let's go into some weekend update bits uh let's start with pucks of tony phil on seeing his shadow this is uh by allison gates dan bulla and ken sublet a groundhog pucks of tony phil Played by Michael Longfellow, stops by a weekend update to discuss seeing his shadow and predicting his uh, predicting six more weeks of winter. Let's start with you, Brad. What did you think of this one? Love this weekend update bit. Uh, you know, we've talked before about how uh, Michael Longfellow has a little bit of a Norm Macdonald vibe yep. about him, but we yep. didn't necessarily want to assign that fully to him because it was still pretty early. And Norm Macdonald has a pretty strong legacy for a very specific brand of dry humor on snl especially uh, on this show this for people that love him right yeah yeah and this this for me definitely moved the needle closer to the, the this guy being like kind of like the next norm mcdonald kind of thing because he man he's he's just got this perfect rye delivery down uh where he's he doesn't he doesn't sound uh like he's trying to be sarcastic he's just very laid back and like, yeah yeah you know what whatever and norm mcdonald was the kind of uh sketch performer where he didn't put on a lot of character costumes or makeup yep. unless he was playing a real person like Larry King or something like that. Yep. And this just feels like a character that Norm Macdonald would have played back in the 90s, the way Longfellow plays it. And it's just, it's so funny. I, I really dug this bit. I also can appreciate that uh, one thing that I that I really like about his performance in, in all of what he does on SNL is there's a really fine line when you act like this, when you do a deadpan to... To, it comes across like you're being an asshole or you're being condescending, and he mm-hmm. doesn't. He really yeah. does a great job yeah. of reining that part of it in where it doesn't feel like you're being talked down to. He's just kind of over it a bit, and it's very dry. Man, I haven't seen that since Norm MacDonald. Like, is, Norm MacDonald was also not mean-spirited with a lot of his stuff. He was just, I think this is funny. Well, 
I don't know. I wouldn't go that far because he could he could be pretty mean well, at the weekend update. Yeah. No, that's that's fair. I, I I mean to the audience. I don't think he was ever yeah, yeah. being like I'm smarter than you. Yeah, he you wasn't know? patronizing to the audience. It, yeah, that sorry, that's what I meant. Not, he not certainly like, mean, loved mean to people. Sure, he certainly yeah. loved to punch up though. Yeah. Right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, but Longfellow seems like a kindred spirit in that way. Doesn't doesn't uh make you feel dumb. That, or that he's better than you and really does that rye rye humor so well i'm a this is a great example of it that 18 wheeler bit uh, at the end holy crap the audience moaned mm-hmm. like oh <laughs> it was great i think in order to do that kind of comedy well you you have to have a because we we are fans of comedy here on the show we we love uh watching all kinds of different comedians and some of these people don't do it well right they like you said they come off patronizing whatever you almost have to have it's a it's an unspoken or maybe you know you can't regulate it a, a glimmer in the eye to do it where you just you love for them to be like you want to know what's in their head because you know they've got a little smirk that something's going on there and and they're probably only going to give you 80% of what they think you know is in their head and it's going to be hilarious but they're just and Longfellow so much there and Hernandez are now the ones that are out of the four newbies have really come into their own, and, and I don't see any fear or any uh, nervousness in their roles anymore. I mean, they they really have hit both hit their strides, especially Hernandez. But Longfellow is right there. I mean, honestly, he's doing a great job. Speaking of new members this uh, year, somebody that's coming on a little bit more the last couple of episodes, Devin Walker. He was in some more stuff uh, this episode. Uh, he was in the other Weekend Update bit, Millie Pounds and Shirty on the British Monarchy. This was written by James Austin Johnson and Devin Walker. British rappers Millie Pounds and Shirty, played by James Austin Johnson and Devin Walker, stopped by Weekend Update to discuss King Charles III's coronation in the new era of the British Monarchy. I, I There was a couple things I did like about this. I thought their performances were good. I have been, throughout my last 20 years, been fans of a couple different uh, British rappers, and there was there was some fun kind of, uh, you know, there was some fun similarities Am I learning there. a new thing about you? Yeah. Wait, did you just say over the last 20 years? Yeah, yeah, I have liked, I liked some British, British rappers. There's been some British rappers, yeah. But here's the thing is, okay. James Austin Johnson did a great accent. Sure. And that's about the only thing that I really <laughs> loved about it. Um, I thought he was pretty good there. I, I didn't love this, but maybe because I'm not that interested in monarchy stuff. <laughs> I, I felt like it went on a little bit too long, but I did appreciate the characters. And I think I would like them better maybe in a different uh, context. I don't know if they would work better like in a proper sketch maybe. Uh, or something like that. But but I, I did like this uh, surprise pairing of James Austin Johnson and yeah, Devin I'll give Walker. You that. Yep. Um, and they and they really did emulate like I I watch a lot of British comedies and things like that and you see yep. a lot of characters like this aspiring rappers and stuff especially like uh, Attack the Block like th- these characters feel like they're straight out of Attack the Block um, and I I liked them I wished it was a little bit funnier but I did I did think the raps were pretty well put together and I liked the it was actually more of a de escalation than anything where like their first rap sounds pretty good and then like it's like okay the, now they're doing the same stuff and then it's just you know shorter and like the same dairy joke so i like that aspect of it but yeah i a little bit shorter and uh maybe a, a, a different framing device you know what it kind of reminds me of is the in the first kingsman eggs the people that are trying to fight eggsy a little bit they kind of reminded me of those some of those characters street tough oh, a little yeah, bit yeah, street tough sure. yeah exactly uh the other one was the um i forget what the sound was it was like shrish 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 yeah that 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 yeah. made me chuckle as well but again i thought this was the weaker of the two it weekend was. update but bits it definitely um, was the weaker i'm two. with you though brad i i can give this another try if they continue to work on some of it i just didn't it was a little long 
and it, it wasn't packaged perfectly for me. So I think that uh, while while the sketch had a, a good idea of hey, let's have the first verse be really good, mm-hmm. and then let's repeat it, it still wasn't like an amazing, really well done first verse. It was fine. And so to, to take something fine and then just make it worse, it's it wasn't as good as it could have been for that reason. And especially if you're doing three verses, oh boy, it's really starting to drag on. And and by the third time, they're repeating the same kind of two callback jokes, not just one. It just was pretty stale by the end of it. I'm like, okay, let's, let's get out of this. It just didn't really do much for me. Moving on. Protective mom, Martin Herlihy, John Higgins, Ben Marshall, Asha Ward, Marcelo Hernandez wrote this. We didn't see the Please Don't Destroy guys last week, so it's good to have them back for a, a sketch writing. A man, played by Marcelo Hernandez, introduces his girlfriend, played by Chloe Feynman, to his overprotective mother, played by Pedro Pascal. Um, I I like this. Um, and let me tell you why. I am married to a, a, a woman who is not uh, American. She's Romanian. And what I found the most funny about this is whenever I go to Romania or whenever I talk to my in-laws, it'll be so funny. They'll be talking in Romanian, as they, 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 they do, and they'll they'll use certain American words, or English pods. words, and then <laughs> occasionally look at me. <laughs> and I know they're talking about me, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and I'm like, what is it? My wife will never. It's nothing. It's nothing. You know. And I I felt I felt seen in Chloe Feynman's character <laughs> That's there. Awesome. Um, Pedro Pascal was hilarious. Good lord, he knocked out of the park. Uh, the um, throwing away the the vegan stuff. And, and then, then keeping <laughs> the bag. Whoever wrote that was so. If, if you are that somehow is, that, that is inspired by real moms. Absolutely. Yes. We, yes. We we have a, we have a nook in the kitchen with folded paper bags that are for like soaking up grease when you put fried chicken <laughs> yes. on it after it's cooked. Uh, if you have to take food somewhere, you have a nook with with leftover the, paper bags. Somewhere. The realistic approach to this because of that. What, so I know you're. I know these writers. They listen to our show. They're fans. Whoever Obviously. whoever wrote that, mwah, kiss on the lips. It was a great little and and the fact that Pedro Pascal murdered it. Right, took his time, dumped it out perfectly, folded the bag. He wasn't in a rush. He wasn't nervous. That could have gone poorly if you had anybody else doing it. But because he had the confidence to to, to really be in that scene, he was perfect in the sketch. Yep. By the way, perfect. Yep. And, and there is a, yeah. a, a trope is, about yeah. Latino moms and their their love for their boys and you know girls not doesn't matter what girl they're not going to be good enough for them right uh, Brad what did yeah, you think as about somebody this? who comes as somebody who comes from a Hispanic family I don't I don't have you know a mom who is like this but I have seen you know lots of like, Hispanic families who do have like fit fit this like uh, sort of prototypical relationship and knowing that this came from Marcelo Hernandez um, you know he he obviously br- brought this from a personal place. Uh, Pedro Pascal being Chilean, I'm sure has experience with this too. And there's just nice little flourishes in here that make that actually make it charming in addition uh, to being funny. Yeah. And one of the things, the, the other things I also appreciated is that they didn't even try to make Pedro Pascal really look feminine. No. They put on messy, messy yep. blush and like just let his stubble sit there. Yep. And he was just like, you know, you know what? Yeah, you you are Pedro Pascal dressed as a woman. That was great. The only thing that they maybe was an audio cue with the slapping at the end. I think there was supposed oh. to be something there. Yeah, but there wasn't. That's yeah, yeah. The only technical, thing. and I didn't really care. Like it did, by that time, I was having so much fun, and they knew how to end a sketch. 
The the and it was beautiful. It was yep. wonderful. Actually, Bailey and I watched yeah. it. I, and it, it was great. She laughed harder at that than anything else. And yep. then she went, "Aw, it was <laughs> like what? Yeah. Great and job!" It, and that is that is that is that is true. Forget everything else. If you bring home a good Catholic woman to a Hispanic yeah, exactly. family, that, that's, that'll do it. Yeah, it was. I hate everything else, but now you're. you're when do you're, I have grandbabies? Uh, yeah. What did she say? Oh, you're you're a woman of God. When do I have my? <laughs> oh, so uh, kudos SNL. This was a for me a ten out of ten. You guys crush this one i love the sketch and and i also again a, a comment about marcelo hernandez this isn't the first time that he's brought um uh, some uh latin american or latino humor to the show which again i love it when the show gets more diverse i, I love it when there's different perspectives different worldviews that are coming to the show and they've clearly been okay with saying okay marcelo you've got a worldview you've got a you've got a point of view rather bring this to the show right because this is this is funny obviously uh brad is a uh latino american i am not you are not we still find this very funny oh hilarious man hilarious all right italian waiters written by allison gates dan bullen ken sublet things go off the rails at a diner when waiters at an italian restaurant played by pedro pascal marcelo hernandez give their guests heidi gardner punky johnson chloe Feynman, ego noodum and sarah sherman compliments with Keenan Thompson as a chef and Mikey Day as another waiter. This had a couple humorous parts to me, uh, to this uh, uh, sketch that I laughed at. I thought it was a little long, and I didn't love it. I'm going to say this. This was probably maybe the weakest sketch uh, for me because there were parts of the the earlier sketch that we talked about that we didn't love uh, that I liked a little more. There were a few parts in this that I, that I, I liked. Um, I didn't really get the Sarah Sherman character in this. I, I didn't understand it fully. I, I didn't. When humor is done well at SNL, I think, especially kind of cultural commentary humor, I, I like to be able to connect it to, I, I, bet a, I bet a server does that. I bet a waiter does that. I can't imagine a waiter ever doing this. What did you guys think of I this? I mean, that's that wasn't really my problem. First of all, my problem with Sarah Sherman in the sketch is that she really seems to be hamming it up for no reason. Like, like she's supposed to be like the straight person who yeah. like is like, what the hell is going on? And she I just sounded like she was- I can't believe you guys! Like, it's always at 10 a little bit, like- yeah, like she like she sounded like she was performing on a Disney Channel show. Yes. Um, and then on top of that, I don't think the premise of the sketch is is all that great. And and then like it kind of throws logic out the window at the end too because it doesn't make any sense that after you know being so vehement about not having a motorcycle that she has the motorcycle and she's eating chili on it and it's just like and then on top of that, aside from that being a terrible ending to the sketch. <laughs> Then they turn it into a their like last minute fake commercial thing. It's like, oh, big boy chili. It's like, fuck you guys, yeah. get out of the here. Thing, we so talk about this, messy. We hate that, right? Yeah. And you know, you have a bad ending for a sketch. Doesn't matter. And end it poorly because it didn't fix it by putting a logo there for a brand that doesn't exist. So they were they were spending probably so much time on the Mario Kart stuff that they forgot <laughs> that they had to do another sketch. And oh guys, like, oh uh, shit, guys, we got four minutes. What, what about that one we started writing? <laughs> Figure it out oh, on the fly. On top of that. On top of that, they forgot that they had to build a second restaurant set, and they just reused this one for the next sketch. No, that's what I'm telling you. Right? They had the next sketch, which is the much better sketch, re- locked and loaded, and they're like, oh, shit, what do we do? Oh, we'll just reuse this and come up with something right now. That's why it was this. Yeah, yeah that's exactly what happened here. No, that's not what happened. But it was very strange that they used the same set back to back. I don't yeah. know that I've seen that in recent memory. 
No. You, you would think that you would almost put those sketches like at different parts of the show. Because if you Because I probably wouldn't have noticed. Tear it down and put, Yeah, but like, I mean it came right back after because on Hulu, it's it's right or sorry, on Peacock, it's right next door. So like there's no cut to a commercial. It just heads right in. So like are yeah, they are they back doing the same sketch? Yeah, they're yeah, they're the, they're back back to back yeah, sketches. That's so. so strange. What a weird uh decision. I do like a few things here. Uh Keenan Thompson's delivery of chili. Like he just drops the accent and just tells her what it is. That was really funny. Um, and then there's a, there was a, a couple of things about like, oh, let me guess what you do for a living. You're a writer. But you're right. I don't know why Sarah Sherman decided to be like, is my vibe just really off today? I, I didn't get that. There's no reason for it. I almost wonder what would have happened with Ego in that role. I bet she could have done a little bit more subtlety in sure. that role of being slightly offended, but also curious about, wait, is there something that I'm doing? You know? Yeah. It's, um, I don't know. It, but just, it, this was by not by far, I guess, because everything was okay here. It wasn't a train It wasn't the worst schedule yeah. season, for sure. But, but still really bad for this episode. But again- Next. Some, <laughs> next. Well, well, we've talked about how much we love Sarah Sherman so much on this, this, this show, especially this season. This is the first episode that I think I've seen this season where she kind of had a lot of misses. Hey, you know me. what? Everybody has a bad day. Certainly. Certainly. So it's okay. Hey, she's great. We still love her. All right. Moving on. Lisa from Temecula. Michael Che, Alex English, and Gary Richardson wrote this. A birthday dinner doesn't go as planned with Pedro Pascal, Ego Nuodum, Bowen Yang, Punky Johnson, and Molly Carney. Um, I... Absolutely loved this sketch. And I actually, you know, I've watched the whole episode a couple of times. Yeah. I rewatched this single one one more time before <laughs> because I wanted to see that there's a there's a time where I go to Odom goes to cut the steak and her chair falls behind her. And I think she's meant to put her foot on her chair, but the chair falls. And so she has to put her foot on Pedro Pascal's knee, yep. and he's holding it there. Yep. The whole sketch was just follies going and back and forth, and I loved you're there and, for, you know? And Pedro Pascal had one of the best laughs in here of, I'm, I'm, it was like almost like putting the laugh under a jar and trying to keep it there, and it finally got its yeah. way out. It was, it was like, a, oh, okay, I'm <laughs> yeah. trying to hold it back. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because it was happening when he was telling the story. Yep. It was just, that was the perfect, so there's a dog. Yeah. <laughs> it was so good. And, and again. And, honestly, and, and the thing is, too, is I, at the core, the sketch is not very good, but how it played out with that physical aspect and how it made everybody gradually break, for, you know, Bo and Yang, Pedro Pascal, uh, you know, Punky Johnson, even Ego broke a little bit. Uh, Molly Carney was the only one. They they didn't really break. Uh, Molly Carney the they, they, did something incredible. I don't know. Maybe you've seen this. You're 19 times you watched this sketch, Nate. But they were able to actually get a piece of food onto the fork and almost eat it. <laughs> and, and that's honest to God. I don't think it would be possible. The the first and, thing. But yeah, it's just, just watching everybody break was, was oh. hilarious. And it saved the sketch from being. Medi- terribly mediocre to being really, really funny. And I kept watching that picture of Sangria too, just <laughs> hoping that it would fall. And I'm thinking that there's got to be a magnet underneath the table holding that bad boy I, on. I, I hope they do a behind the scenes on this one on the show because I want to know how they did the... the because was, was somebody just, just under there? A couple just dudes sh- under there just shaking, shaking the shit out of it? Oh, yes, because- but also, I will. I want to give Ego Norton a lot of credit here because this doesn't work unless she takes it very seriously. And for the most part, she broke a little bit, but she was able to kind of keep it together. And she was really the only one that had to. 
Yeah. As somebody, Ben, that loves well-done steaks with ketchup. Oh, God. <laughs> I do not at all, by the way. Gross. I did like that uh, uh, Longfellow comes out like, third time's the charm. You know? like we, it set the stage. There were so many yeah. great little lines in there, and everyone kind of had their role. It, it the Bo and Yang doesn't necessarily break a ton, honestly. He no, doesn't. he was also playing Bo and Yang um, in the sketch. He was himself for throwing sure. down the fork or the the spoon when he just starts like, oh god, yeah. I'm just like it was just now, so funny. Did you guys notice at the end too? He was doing the cut motion, like we got to cut the sketch. We got to get out of here. Yeah, like we gotta, this, get... this is at the uh, a logical end point here. Let's go. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's pretty funny. It kind of reminded me a little bit uh, of the Debbie Downer Disney World sketch. If you guys remember that, oh one, yeah. Where oh, yeah. by the end of it, they can't even stop. everyone can't stop yeah. laughing, literally wiping tears away. And, you know, but also having fun. I, I actually don't love breaking for breaking's sake. Like when a sketch is going poorly, Pete Davidson did this a couple of times uh, his last uh, season. Uh, and I, I didn't love it. No. Like you knew that people like it when you break. But you were just doing it for vanity's sake, and that, that also, doesn't impress me. Also, I love that this this the, all the big breaking stuff happened at the last sketch of the night mm-hmm. because it means it's like kind of a catharsis. We got through it, and now we're just done. And and that it was easier to fall in line with it because of that. Because I, I I didn't think to myself, oh god, they got to come back and do another one. You know, they got to get their shit together here. No, it's the end of the night. Let them have some fun. It was totally awesome. And that is cute, but don't think you're getting. Uh, I'm giving up the butt tonight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just giving up the butt, and he's like, "Excuse me." Yeah, and then she came back to that line a couple yeah, times. I it loved was, it. Uh, it was just it was a so, really, really good sketch. So well done. I, I the fucking it. peas. The peas went. So many peas. They went everywhere immediately. I'm telling it. you, rewatch the sketch. It gets funnier the yeah. more you watch it, even though you know everyone's gonna break. And then watching, once you've watched it a while, just just. Pick a character in there and yeah. watch their face the whole time whenever they're in there and see how they're either panicked because they don't want to laugh or they're panicked because something, I, I don't know if something didn't go right in the, the you know, there was the line that Ego Nuotum has in there where I forget, maybe it's Marcella Hernandez or something that says, or no, 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 um, uh, Devin Walker says, is everything okay or whatever? I forget. Yeah, no, Devin Walker, everything okay? And then uh, she Ego Nuotum was like, and as a matter of fact, no, there's wine yeah. all over, and there's it's on the floor on these people's food. Yeah, yep. do better. Yep, and and some people have suggested that maybe some of those lines were kind of ad libbed, um, sure, because those were some of the ones that again that Pedro Pascal and Bo and Yang start really laughing at, yeah. um, because it kind of just looked like it went off the rails, and you had really good sketch comics just doing their thing yeah and, and that leads me to uh my mvp of the night i go to oh that's what i was gonna pick what about it? you brad brad you can't pick no, the same uh, one we did my mvp actually i i gave it to pedro pascal whoa because, uh, no you it's, didn't it's been a wh- no i did it's been a while it's been a while since a host has been i think really good enough to deserve it but man uh he just he was clearly having a lot of fun he he was wasn't afraid to do anything uh, silly. He stayed dedicated to to the bits, and it's it's tough to not be the host and break and not have it be frustrating or derail a sketch. And whenever he broke, uh, which happened several times across several sketches, it was actually just pretty charming, and it worked, and it didn't really disrupt the flow of in any of the comedy. That's tough to do. Uh, so by yeah, the way. tough to pull off. I, I was really, I was really impressed by by Pedro Pascal. So yeah, he's he's my MVP this time. Oh, you're wrong, and that's okay. He did a great job, but Egon Hodeman was definitely the the. Case. She was fantastic. Was awesome. I agree. Uh, I did ask my son who his favorite was, and you know he picked Bowen Yang. He hey, not Bo not Yang a bad choice great. there either. Um, not a bad choice there it. either. 
Uh, this was his favorite sketch of the night, though. He thought this was just <laughs> a game of physical comedy. Uh, what was your favorite sketch of the night? Was this last one your favorite? No, or? actually, it was it was uh, the the mom sketch. Really, oh, the mom was, one. I laughed so hard at that. I really did, and I I, I actually made Bailey rewatch it with me. I normally don't do that because I'm like, you're gonna love this. It was just one of those that was really, really great. Um, the, the pre-tape, obviously, is very good. But, I man, I love live both sketch pre-tapes, comedy. The Wings one and oh, yeah. the... Yeah, they were, were, this is a great episode. Lots was. to pick from. I, I do try to side on, on live comedy, you know, because it's harder. Yep. So, uh, but, but again, is it harder? I don't know if it's harder. Yeah, right? this time we, around, I we might We just talked about the... Yeah. the yeah. Now, what about you, Brad? What do you got? So, my favorite uh, was the the Mario Kart sketch, uh, just because it, it was so impressive as far as its production design. It was also very funny, um, but but really close behind it, and it was a tough choice. Was the waking up sketch? The waking waking up sketch absolutely cracked me up. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's kind of fun actually because we typically the last couple of episodes we've often agreed on what some of these were, and this was such a quality episode yeah, that I think from. there are legitimate arguments for some of these other Cause sketches. Because the waking up sketch wasn't even in my top three. It oh, was, well, that's because you just don't have a sense of humor. No, but it was the it's the restaurant sketch at the end is number two, Mario Kart's number three, and then and then the waking up sketch number see, four. Now, see, because like for me, like the, 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 the last restaurant sketch isn't a great sketch. It's great because they broke. And so for me, I think that for a sketch to really like land and like really be one of the best is that it has to be both intentionally funny and... Uh, and actually be funny. No, I, I just, I, I look at it like, how much did I enjoy it? How much did I laugh no matter where it comes from? Yeah, but I think that it was it was funny, but it wasn't in t- as funny where it was intended to be funny necessarily. But why, why does that matter? Because it means that it's it came from happenstance. And it, it just happened to create a funny moment that came about naturally as opposed to the writing or the like, and the premise of the sketch actually being good. Isn't that I, the, I, I the kind of that. fun of sketch comedy, though? I, I you, get that. It's but organic. Like, you don't always does, know. Does that really make it less funny, though? No, no it makes it. Like, no, it was no, just no I don't think it makes it. I don't think it makes it. I don't think it make it less funny. But I think that, and we didn't necessarily pick. We don't necessarily pick funniest sketch of the night. We we pick best sketch of the night. You know, and so even though this sketch was funny, I still thought that the other stuff was funnier and also was better executed. Why, why did you hate Lisa from Temecula? Uh, it's mostly because of her voice. <laughs> All right, I, I I agree. Actually, Mario Kart was my number one, though Lisa from Temecula was a I would almost one B honestly one B. Um, and I love Protective Mom as well. Oh, that God, was so good. So funny. It was so good. Great episode overall. So many. Great, great, great. Would you great. guys say this was the best episode of the season so far? Uh, Kiki Palmer is still really. I, I this yeah, one. Kiki out, Palmer is still tough to beat. This outranks Kiki for me. One, really? Yeah, yeah. This one was so good for me. Go rewatch Kiki Palmer. I will. I will. Both great episodes. Yeah. Some really quality episodes. I think it'd be fun for us to do an at the end to do kind of a sketch lottery of what our favorite sketches of the season were and see if any Absolutely. of these made our top ten sketches. And of the season. now that we've been doing this for a year and a half. Um, you know, the, the first season and second season are kind of blending together for me yeah. on hosts anyway. Uh, Oscar Isaacs was this year or last year? Last year. Last year. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, th- this is the most favorable comparison I can make is that Peter Pascal, uh, Oscar Isaacs episodes are very similar in that, holy crap, they both chewed into every character you gave them and they were down for anything and they didn't screw up any of, I mean, the, the breaking here and there, whatever, but they were so good in their sketches plus the character work they really do a great job i believe both of them are very close friends as well that's awesome so what about paul simon was paul simon this year or last year 
Why? Why, why do you do what why? you do? <laughs> you know what? Hey, stay in Utah. Yeah, yeah. What is mountain time, boy? <laughs> hey, who's our next? We, we don't. Who's, have our, who's our next victim? Yeah, no. Who's our next guest? We don't have a, a a show next week, but we have one coming up. Brad, do you know? Yeah, we're gonna be off uh, for a couple weeks, and we're gonna have Woody Harrelson returning. He'll be joining the Five Timers Club on February twenty fifth. Zombieland three. What does he have yep. coming out? What does he have? Does he have something come out? White or? men can't jump. There. No. no I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he'll make a cameo in that. But no, he's got a he's got a movie coming out called uh, Champions that it actually is. Uh, it is also a basketball movie. Uh, but he plays uh, the a former minor league basketball coach who receives a court order to man a team of players with intellectual disabilities. So kind of like a, a Mighty Ducks angle there, but with uh, a little bit of uh, a refreshing uh, story. It's supposed to be kind of like a, a funny, you know, heartwarming kind of sports movie like Is that. Disney so, making this? We'll see. No, Disney's not making this. It's oh. actually directed by Bobby Farrelly, of all people, of Dumb and wow. Dumber, and there's something about Mary fame. That's interesting. All right, well, we will be back for another episode then. We want to thank you so much for listening and sharing these episodes. Again, it's always fun to see the community that around this podcast grow. Uh, we want to encourage you again, go to the 10 onecom and you can find some more information about us. Go listen to past episodes. Also, go to our YouTube page, subscribe to that. Um, we put all the new episodes on there as well. We know some people like to uh, stream on YouTube. It's becoming a growing platform for podcasts. And find us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Um, if you could do us a favor, uh, rate the podcast where typically people do that on Apple podcast, but there's a couple other places you can do it. Comment, uh, on, on the stuff we post during the week. We, we honestly genuinely love the interactions. We share it with each other. We laugh a lot about it. And so your interactions, uh, kind of make our week. So, um, as well. We have another podcast that we do weekly about films and trailers and things like this. We talk about our, our favorite films. Uh, Brad has been wrapped up in Sundance the last couple of weeks. I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, on this next episode of Go Flix Yourself. You can go to goflixyourselfpod.com and find out more about that. Uh, so on the off weeks of this podcast, we always put a new episode of those as well. Um, so you, if you really just love Ben's voice yeah. and it helps you sleep better at night, you can find new episodes of that. Hey, buddy, you had a tough day. Why don't you just go ahead and go to bed? Yeah, we should start a podcast oh. where you're just kind of like encouraging people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Brad, where can they find you online, buddy? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Ethan underscore Anderton. I also write reviews of the new episodes of SNL on the weekends, the Sunday morning after a new episode airs. And you can also just find me uh, on Pornhub. <laughs> uh, you know what don't look for me i don't want to be i don't want to be associated with this anymore i'm going to bed <laughs> and the podcast is over thanks so much for listening we'll be back again in a couple of weeks be good to yourself be good to others bye bye <laughs>